talk about Doom Vodka. There is Doom Vodka, I saw that. There is yeah. Doom Vodka. Yeah, that's that's probably has something to it. Oh, it's a Bethesda partnership? Yeah, I feel really confident with that fucking partnership. Well, I, I'm, mostly, like fucking... I, I'm mostly finding it cool that I learned you can make bo- vodka from bones. Yeah. Marrow of fucking beef bones. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a vodka that's not fucking vegetarian or vegan. Which I find really entertaining. <clears throat> I, it, it's I find more... it funny that that meat eaters, we we will find vegans when it comes to even making vodka. I just more enjoy the fact that, like, <laughs> I had no idea you could do this. And now all I want to do when I get my, like, brewing system back up is do this. I, I want to try making vodka from bones. I am sure that it takes, it took them a while to actually, well, the distillers anyway, it took them quite a while to get something that didn't just taste like bad meat or meat that went off oh sure mm-hmm. i i i mean i, 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 I know this, that at all but i know this just knowing some people who like i mean i know you brew but i know other, like also other people that brew like mainly more beers and stuff and trying to add like figure out any interesting flavor to add is just like takes so many batches before it you know before it just you know, oh no, I'm not looking for actually it to be good. Edible. This is more to say I did it. Like this is more a yeah. you make like one gallon of it, you put it in a container, you wax seal the top of it, and you write the words bone vodka on the side of it, and you bury it in your yard for some asshole fifty years in the future to dig up and be like, what kind of serial killer owned this house? Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast number one seven one, and we have a full house today. I am Kraken Zero, aka No Bad Har. With me is Charlie, aka Mordak Undivided, and Alex, aka Mave Online. Woody woo. I could like murder Alex real quick if we wanted to just get down to two people again. <laughs> I've been looking for a reason to. Wow. The puns have become unbearable, Alex. We're starting (laughs) this one off right. I mean... That and me and Jen made a joke the other day. We looked at each other and said, oh, shit. (laughs) Perfect. It's kind of like how Jeff became a measure of how pasty white someone was. You've become a measure of how bad a joke is. Excellent. No, no, it's not. That makes me feel... So happy. A measurement of grownness. On the scale of <laughs> one to Alex, where does it fall? Oh, it's like it's like an eight. It's not quite an Alex light. It's an Alex uh, Facebook post. <laughs> I mean, they're not unbearable. It, they're not bad, you know? Sometimes they're rough, a little grisly, but they're okay. Oh. Like six. <laughs> I'm just sitting here smirking, fully aware that my smirk does not come through on a recording. <laughs> Audible smirk. Half of our <laughs> podcasts are made for television anyway. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, 171. <laughs> you did it, boys. What, is there anything special for 171? No. Is there? It's a palindrome. 
Oh, there you go. Boys, 171, we palindromed it up. I don't know another way to say that, but yes. Uh, I, I, because I'm a weirdo that actually has, who have a favorite palindrome? Because I do. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite one. Like, I don't, man, of all my palindromes over the years. I learned this, I think, in like favorite. second or third grade, maybe fourth grade. It is stuck with men. It is that go go hang a salami, I'm a lasagna hog, is a palindrome. (laughs) That's pretty good. Um, Sentence, go hang a salami, I'm a lasagna hog, is a palindrome. You can check, I did. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, um, Damn it, I'm mad. But that ha- requires a very specific spelling of damn it. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I favor one. Like I mean, star. the, uh, a man, a plan, a canal, Panama is just a classic one. Sure. But everybody kind of knows that one. But I, this has been your literary moment of the week, I guess. Uh-huh. Um,. My favorite palindrome is Mom, don't forget to call your mother, folks. She misses you. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Uh, That that took a weird turn. What have y'all been up to this week? Um, let's see. I didn't get enough Destiny 2 in this week, actually. I do need to do it today. I'm going to play some after I get my. Focusing because my uh, my parents and some family members are coming to visit in a few weeks. I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, they're actually they're gonna be here the last week of September, and so I'm going to show them around, or you know, Portland and all the stuff around here and stuff like that. So I'm excited. You're just gonna hang outside a weed shop for like four days, aren't you? Pretty much. <laughs> we're, just gonna, we're just gonna walk into a shop, and I'm just gonna give my parents edibles, and then just kind of see what happens. But no, I mean it. It's so it's um. Let's see. So my mom and dad are coming. Uh, my sister and her kid are coming. She's got a baby, so they're coming up. And that was the original plan. I'm like, oh, that'll be cool. And then I think maybe like two weeks ago, in my true family nature, they're like, oh, by the way, two aunts and an uncle are also coming to visit. I'm like, okay, cool, <laughs> excellent. Have you so. told them you're going to be in LA in like a month? <laughs> Uh, no, not yet. But, yeah, they'll... Well, actually, a month doesn't change, technically, but yes. I said, like, a um, month, actually, not actually a month. Yeah, but I do actually... Um, I ended up booking all my stuff for uh, your 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 shindig, if you will. I like calling so. it a shindig. That makes it far less terrifying sounding. <laughs> yeah, no, so I'm, I'm all... Hootenanny. booked Yeah, the nanny. Uh... Yeah, all that stuff booked out. And I learned a little interesting tidbit about booking flights. Wednesday. Specific. So, so I, I, I am a, what Alaska Airlines calls a customer of size. I am a bigger dude. And so this time I opted to buy an extra seat so I can actually be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I guess they have a whole process where you, when you buy the second seat, First things first. If you call them, they'll waive the taxes on the second 
Hmm. Kind of cool. On top of that, why, if the flight wasn't full, you can call Alaska back and they can give you a refund for your second seat. Oh, that's kind of cool. So, yeah. So Mandy and I have a row to ourselves. Um, and if, yeah, if, if the flight isn't full, get my money back on the on the extra seat I bought for myself. So that I did not know. Yeah, but it was neither. pretty fucking nifty, and I wish I would have done that a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there are obviously some stipulations. If the flight is full, you don't get shit. But uh, you can't like wear your uh, partner on your back like a backpack, pretend they're not there. No, unfortunately, no. Um, Alaska's not the kind of that would do something like that. If you're looking for something where you can put a live creature inside the uh, overhead compartment, Spirit Airlines. Yeah. Spirit, well, Spirit Airlines would charge you $6 to put something up there in the first place, and then they would die. So, Spirit Airlines is garbage tier flights. Unless you just need to go one way with no luggage to like Vegas, don't ever fly Spirit. Anyway. Um, yeah, other than just kind of, like, taking care of some real-life stuff, we got a new boss down in WoW, so we got our Groza. We're now five out of eight. We're working on the last three bosses right now, so. Much excitement. And other than that, that's pretty much my week. I'm just a shame I didn't get enough Destiny in, but I look forward to getting some more in this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, other than that, uh, you want to play some much... Gambit? I'll probably be playing Gambit all week, and then I'm probably out once Borderlands drops. Gotcha. Borderlands is supposed to come out this week, right? Yep, it is coming. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, I mean, there's. Do we have the news about some of the drama for that one? But yeah, I'll have to go with we've that, but... talked about Borderlands. Have uh, you talked about the, the nerfs? No, there was. Well, I'll I'll find it and link it there. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, like, that's pretty much been it. Like, I'm, I'm, uh, it's kind of a chill week, I gotta say. So that's it for me. Yeah. Guess I'll go. Um, uh, start. I, I, I played two games that weren't Destiny this week. I finished with Destiny. Like, I, I, I could take or leave at this point getting Dredgen before year three kicks off. I'm, close enough to getting it, I think I probably will, and there's a big Infamy boost weekend happening. That's probably, that'll probably be the last of Destiny I play for the most part till Shadowkeep drops. Just Not that it matters, but like I, I aim in a way that I'm like, ah, I'll come back to this when there's new stuff to do. Time to tap out for a little bit. You overplayed your hand. Uh, but mm. because of that, I've been playing... Uh, first off, I've been playing that uh, Funko Pop Gears of War game, Gears Pop. It is not good. Were either of you here? Really? Were either of you here when I talked about Clash Royale a bunch? Hmm. Uh, no, not really. Okay, so the the Funko Pop game, it's a mobile game. It's on my phone. It is in so many ways a reskinning of Royale. I, it has some other stuff. Admittedly, it's been like two or three years since I last played Clash Royale, so I have no idea what that game is now or any good memories. I remember there was being a resign button in that game. There's needs like a really badly need. One of the lanes is unprotected and the other two lanes have little like Gears of War style waist height barricades that you vault over and you kind of push into enemy territory and 
the more you push, the further down the field you can spawn guys, and your inevitable goal is to send enemies to attack these two turrets, and then they're like, bunker with their guy behind it. Uh, it's all characters from Gears of War, like you're not picking Locust versus Lambent versus Humans, or the Cog, I guess. It's just kind of like pieces, so you have like a Baird and Marcus Phoenix fighting alongside just like three Locust dudes taking ground and shooting shit for you. Uh, the hero characters typically come with some kind of speciality to them, like uh, uh, Coltrane doesn't give a fuck about cover, he just kind of rushes throws directly ahead of him and shoots it, which is cool, but he won't take barricades. Uh, Marcus Phoenix takes barricades like twice as fast as other characters that take barricades. Uh, it's On paper, it sounds cool. Playing it, it's Clash Royale, meaning the player, if the opponent has either just spent more time and has better characters or has spent money, you're just not going to win. Like There's a real power imbalance in that game that like... Oh, yeah. pay to win. Oh, it's... Clash Royale was severely pay to win. This is mm -hmm. just as bad, if not worse, because... And I... In the least Gears of War way possible, at the end of each match, your Funko character rushes another Funko character with a chainsaw bayonet. You know, the, the classic um, Gears of War machine gun, the Lancer with the chainsaw, and then you chainsaw duel for a second, and the opposing character's head pops off. You don't horribly gore them or cut them in half, Gears of War style. It's kind of kid-friendly, and it's done. I only bring that up so I can mention the way the kind of unlocks in this game work. You are literally mm. collecting Funko Pop characters. So much so that when you get, like, a loot box to unlock more characters, you, like, the mechanic for opening up individual characters is a fucking unboxing of a Funko Pop yeah. character. It, cut, it shows up on your screen in the Funko Pop boxing, a box, and it looks like the actual Funko Pop with its cold, dead eyes, which kind of works, actually, for Gears of War characters, but I, I am playing it because Gears of War and because I'm getting Xbox achievements out of it, and that was too much for me to pass up. The game is bad. It is, if you're curious, it is free. I've played, like, maybe a couple hours of it. Like, it's a great, hey, I got time to kill waiting for the bathroom or waiting for this bus, or, like, I have five minutes left of my lunch break, I'll bang out a game of Gears Pop kind of thing. It's not a good game. Like, if you don't like Gears of War, there's no reason to play this game. I. It's not fun, it's just a time killer. Like, every idle clicker I've ever talked about I think is a better game than this thing, and this is more of a, quote, traditional game than any of those things ever were. I, it, it saddens me that I'm playing this the same kind of time frame Gears of Gears 5 comes out, because I've heard nothing but good things about Gears 5. And I'm like, getting back into Gears, playing a shitty mobile game. Oh, yeah, because I don't have Gears 5 yet. Yeah, it, it's bad. It's really bad. Like, it's somehow worse than Clash Royale. And that game was also really bad. On the opposite end of the spectrum, I've been playing Control. Ooh, that's a... I've only watched somebody play it. There again, I don't have a... Uh, I don't have a uh, console, but... Cool. Okay, that game so looks I, really cool. Before I talk too much, I gotta throw down some kind of disclaimers and thoughts before we can kind of dig into it. Um, I'm playing it on a PS4 Pro. That is important because it apparently runs like garbage on the base consoles and version also has problems. Like, 
The PS4 Pro version is not great either, but it's better. And, like, everything positive and negative, I think, is true. The combat, kind of on the Charlie scale of to, like, fuck, this combat's amazing, is a solid fine, maybe an okay. Like, the combat for this game is weird and not great, but it's fine. Like, it's serviceable to the rest of the game with sound design and, like, general design and animation and voice acting. Like, the presentation of it is fucking badass, and the story is cool, and, like, if you're coming to this game expecting, like, PsyOps, you know, that PS3, Xbox 360 game that some of us fucking loved, but you're not expecting it to be as good as PsyOps from a playing standpoint, you'll be real happy. The psychic powers in this game are real goddamn cool. The gunplay is fine. Like, it's weird. The auto-aim for your psychic powers is ridiculous and awesome. The aiming of your gun feels weird. Like, I had to go into settings and turn down the sensitivity for aiming down sights because it was set way too goddamn high. Like, the, the chances you are turning your camera and swing your camera too hard into, like, rapid spin around your character motion blur mode it's too high. Like, it's it's fine, but it should be better. Like, most other games that are third-person shooters handle all of this stuff a little bit better than this game does, and this is Remedy, makers of Alan Wake, and uh, fuck, what was that time travel game called that came out on Xbox that I meant to play but never got around to? Did I play that game, actually? I don't remember. It was the TV one. It was supposed to be a big deal for Xbox. I it it they've always had problems with combat. It's always been kind of the presentation of the game. I did play that one because it had bad combat. Yeah, it had really bad combat. Yeah, I, this is the best playing Remedy game to date from a combat standpoint. It's still not good. Like it's still mm. at best fine. Like it's it, it's serviceable, and like powers work. Like, it, it's weird because powers work exactly the way you want them to. Like the dodge. Before the game even told me I could air dodge, I'm like, all right, but I can air dodge across that gap. Like, 10 minutes later, oh, you can air dodge across that gap. I'm like, yeah, I figured out the second, because it works exactly as I expected to. Yeah, like, it, there's no cover system, and maybe the game needs actually a cover system. It's it's weird. It's It's disappointing, because the game is so fucking cool. The combat, the actual, like, second-to-second gameplay parts of it, are completely fine to like, eh, this could definitely be better. But at least so far for me, like, there's a weird hill. You don't start off with psychic powers, and the moment you get your first psychic power in that game, combat gets way better. And then there's the first boss fight of the game, and you're reminded just how kind of not great the combat is. But for, like, general enemies, the combat's totally great because the auto powers is ridiculous. And the picking up and, like, throwing random objects at, arm- at armed guards is awesome. Like, it, Yeah, the yeah. powers are pretty darn cool. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a cool array of powers, and that's really what makes the combat. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, alright, so as a person, I played Alan Wake, and yeah, the combat in those games is, is awful. Like, yep. really bad. And from what I saw in Control, it's not bad. I mean, it's serviceable. Yeah, it, it is absolutely fine. Like, it is... No one's bragging, like, man, this game's got awesome color. And there's some cool touches, like the service weapon. The weird shape-shifting gun you have is so 
cool. Down to the fact there's no ammo reload. Like it regenerates bullets over time kind of thing. Yeah. But I keep pressing the square button to reload it, and the fact that doesn't do anything kind of annoys me. I'm like, oh, my clip's almost <laughs> empty. Time to reload. Reload in this game. I'm like, I get why we don't, and thematically it makes sense, but like, if the mechanic was like, hey, you have to manually trigger regeneration, that would have been better. Like, the, like, it's, again, it's fine. I'm getting used to it, but like, I'm so used to every other shooter on the face of the planet either being like, you have infinite ammo or you have clips. You may have infinite clips, but you have clips still kind of thing. Yeah. And like you get a shotgun and other stuff eventually. Like I I haven't gotten to that yet. I still only have the I still have the handgun thing. But the gun is cool. Like it's it's wigging out in your hand. Like it's this like weird, not detailed gray like ink blot of a gun. Like it's like this is what it's like yes, this is what a handgun looks like without any of the handgun details. And that makes it cool. Yeah, it's like once you start getting, and I, I actually have seen somebody play into getting some of the other gun types, they are very cool, and the animations and everything associated with them also very cool. Oh, I mean, everything just... about this game is cool. Like I, spoilers, but not really, because I'm only like a couple hours into the game. Like I, I'm not gonna reveal anything now that's not like been part of the branding or part of like the first ten seconds of the game. So you play as Jesse. Um, someone who is looking for their brother, and you wind up at the Federal Bureau of Control, which is kind of part CIA, part NSA, part FBI for paranoid, weird shit. And the entire game takes place in the federal, the FBC's uh, building, the oldest house, and the oldest house is non-Euclidean geometry meets TARDIS meets M.C. Escher painting meets, like, the danger room from X-Men. And it is cool. Like, uh, it's... Uh, it is the Hogwarts castle if the Hogwarts castle was, like, actively against you at all times. <laughs> like, it is... So, the, the the premise of the game is you show up... Okay, sorry, this won't make sense I explain. Like, so, you show up, you walk through the lobby, you encounter a janitor named Ati, I think his name is. And before all this starts, the director, the, the guy in charge of the um, FBC, uh, Director Trench, shoots himself in the head with a service weapon and dies. You wander into his office, like in a, the deserted FBC, you just walk in off the street, wander up to his office, past the like, oh, you're applying for the assistant janitor position job. Cool. And you're like, yeah, sure, something. And then you're, these, there are these in-the-head moments where the character, the main character Jesse, is talking to some invisible force inside of her head, and this is kind of cool because I've never seen a game have a main character acknowledge that there's someone looking over their shoulder at all times, a la the player, and not call them the player. Like you are, like you're never addressed by name, but like you are, Jesse knows you, the player, are there. And well, that's kind of cool. The other really cool thing is, and this is very intentional that I saw from watching it, are you familiar with something called the SCP Foundation? Yes. This the game this game is what I've seen feels like SCP Foundation the game. Because uh, and uh, there again, I'm not gonna give stuff away, but you run into the types of re get to read about and actually see 
the exact types of cases that are described in the SCP Foundation. Oh, no, we're, for- we're going to get to that in a second. Like, I'm running through just kind of like yeah. setting the tone of what the fuck this game is. So, like, you want, like, you meet Adi and your character's like, yeah, I've been a janitor before. Janitors are cool. Like, you're like, in a shocking twist for video game protagonists, you're not just nice to the janitor, but you're like, cool to the janitor. You're like, yeah, fucking janitor. I don't know where this is going, but I really dig the fact that the main character is like incredibly sympathetic to like gender is an important job to have to any corporation and stuff like that. And then you go into the office, you pick up the service weapon, and shit goes to hell. Like, you shoot yourself in the head, you win the Russian roulette, you do this weird kind of MC Escher white zone space, and then you're in it. And you do kind of like a half hour of game, you're shooting um hiss, which are the which is the enemy of this game. And then you let employees of the um, the FBC out of, of like a, a, a safe room vault thing, and no one fucking bats an eye. Everyone's like, "Oh, you're the new director. Good to meet you. Cool." And I'm like, "Like, no one's told them you're the director yet, except everyone knows you're the director now. You are you are now in you are now somehow in charge of the FBC, an organization that you were there to infiltrate and find what the fuck happened to your brother and." It gets re- so this thing Henry started to talk about. So the FBC deals with the game calls them objects of power or oops, um, O O P S kind of thing. And the, <laughs> I, yes, and there's a yeah. bunch of kind of like government speak abbreviations for shit that like in the game make all. You know, oh, of course they're called oop. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. Like AEWs, blah blah. Like of course, yeah, and. The basic idea is that the FBC investigates instances where an item. Sorry, we're going to reference Supernatural, the TV show, for a second, like season one of Supernatural, because there's an episode that's incredibly important to what this show, what what the game is, and it's the episode about the Topas, which are this thing that kind of like it's the idea that if enough things believe in something, that thing becomes real or gains the power people believe it has. Like, use an abstract example. Like, if you had a sword that was used by some famous general and, like, it was alleged, like, it killed a thousand people or something. It had been used to behead, like, a thousand men. And based on this logic, if enough people believe that that thing, like, gave the wielder superhuman powers by holding it, it would. And the FBC exists to kind of deal with that. But, like, from an urban legend where it's, like, if enough people believe that, like, there's going to be lint fires because of dryers or something like that, like, in the Midwest, and there's suddenly a giant outbreak of lint fires in the Midwest, there's now, like, maybe a piece of dryer hose or something that's become an object of power that's causing all these fires, and it needs to be contained, and the situation needs to be contained, like, it's got stuff that taps into like the paranormal and the astral plane. Like I, I, I stuff I feel, stuff I feel comfortable talking about. Like so, the first kind of mission you have of the game is you're going to find something called the the hotline, which is a red kind of World War Two Cold Cold War era red phone. No numbers. It's a direct line to something kind of thing. And when you're trying to, the way you get to it is you go to a, you go to a, you go into a hallway, and the hallway ends. There's a giant gap between you and the hotline, and there's a puzzle that then puts you into a fake place. Like it, you, you literally flip a light switch three times, 
and suddenly you're in roadside hotel, but it's every roadside hotel to ever exist in the main character's memories. Like it's it's not in one place. It's got fucking like posters from Utah, Texas, Nebraska. It's decorated kind of generically for all of them, and the puzzle is and the puzzles navigate the hotel. Like it's yeah. it's weird shit like that. Like it, it's it's um. I've heard it compared a lot to Twin Peaks. That's a good example of it. Like it's got some X Files shit going on. Like hell, Supernatural. Yeah. Some of the episodes from that definitely play into this one. Um, yeah, it's not so much Stranger Things, but like there's aspects of Stranger Things. The idea there's a government agency in charge of like dealing with these weird schisms in reality. There's that aspect from Stranger Things. That's an original to Stranger Things kind of thing. Like, and your main character is weird because like they're tapped into the supernatural shit. Like, they have conversations with you, the player, about how you've been around them for a long time. Like, you've been there and you do stuff for them. And the character has psychic powers and stuff or something along those lines. But also, like, what the shit's going on. But also, like, everyone's weirdly cool with everything. Like, your, your main character is the most rattled by things, but, like, every NPC in the game's like, oh, yeah, this type of shit happens. Thank God we're here. Like yep. lock, the building locked down. Yep. Yeah, it's like I said. It seems to be, uh, but I still have to say, the heaviest, the the largest like effect on this game is definitely SCP Foundation. Yeah. I mean, well, do you want to is, explain that, Sam? I know what it is, but I'm not sure I can relatively like functionally explain right. that to our listeners. So the SCP Foundation is is a wiki. It's a uh, it's a wiki, basically a it's a contributed wiki where people make sort of in-universe descriptions of supernatural and strange phenomena as if it's being done by a government organization that's collecting this. So the SCP Foundation is exactly what kind of what you're describing, which yeah. is uh, it's supposed to be, I mean, it's, you know, this is fictional. This is fictional. It's a foundation that, who, which the SCP stands for Secure, Contain, Protect. And so the way that it reads is, and when you go into the wiki, is that they are described like like a government agency would describe a phenomenon that they had to report on, and and also includes like kind of you know vaguely, well not vaguely, but just fictional scientific studies of these things and the results of testing them with different things, and it's very much like the things, for example, some of the more one of the more like well-known ones was one that was a staircase that appears to descend forever. It's SCP-087. They are all numbered. Yeah. And so, well, so like, and and I, I I'm looking at an image now. And I'm realizing it. Like there is like in the collectibles menu for the. We're gonna talk about collectibles in a second. This game has logos that are direct references to the SCP logo. Like one of the one yes. of the collectibles menus is like. It's not the same, but good God, is it similar? Yeah, and so the SCP Foundation, yeah, it's it's a user-created wiki of these in-universe, but you know, fictional, but you know, descriptions of yeah. things that this agency has contained and what they do with them. I mean, and it and it's pretty cool because it usually speaks about them sort of from well. Initially, a description that's more detached, like what is this thing? Where did we find it? What did it do? And then it gets into some 
usually it includes a scientist or a group of scientists them interacting and like what it was like for them to interact with this object and what the results of some experiments so like you know have a um you know i could just bring up a random one but it's like sometimes you'll uh all right so i'm looking at one right here that's a scp4139 it's like it's a medium-sized white refrigerator and and it's subparts like SCP-4139-1-6 through 6 refer to six crude drawings depicting people and objects in various activities. And so what it does is... Uh, Alright, so let's see, what does it do? Oh yeah, the each of the drawings has a specific kind of power on it. So these scrawled, you know, drawings, you know, pit up drawings. So, you know, and that's what it is. It's it's usually these seemingly mundane things that have this weird supernatural sci-fi aspect to them. So like uh like one of the pages is like it decreases the thing in weight by a factor of twelve and straps emerge from the back of SCP four one three nine, allowing it to be carried. I mean the inside is, is, of course, larger than the outside. I mean, it's, yeah, so, yeah, every, you, yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. It describes all these things. It describes what they do. And then, usually, it has log, which is, like, simple, uh, basically experimenting with it. So, I mean, if you like kind of themed creepypasta that's sci-fi and kind of, they're again sort of government agency themed as well, you know, kind of like obviously this is taking cues from X Files itself yeah. and other and, and Fringe and whatnot. I forgot. But, yeah. yeah, it's got some of that too. Yeah. So yeah, so I feel like yeah, control has a heavy in a good way, in a very you know in a because well, you do actually run into circumstances where there's a description and then you actually get to see the object. Well, so and this is actually where cool. the game gets even cooler in some ways. So. I mentioned collectibles. Like, if you were to just play through this game that ever engaging with the collectibles, you've, in my opinion so far of the game, the best part of that game. And yeah, I like the game itself is kind of it's not a horror game. It's spooky. Like, it's if you're in a hiss infested area, there's like weird out of body talking and stuff will pop out of things and non Euclidean geometry and all that. Like, it's psychologically spooky, but not like jump scary spooky at least not so far kind of thing like even like the boss fight that could have been jump scary that i've been through hasn't been it's like it's like yeah it, it's creepy but not it, it's not fear it's not an action game that's got like the fucking girl from the ring popping out of nowhere at random times like i fully expect to have something like that happen eventually but it's not what this game is about it's atmospheric as opposed to boo <laughs> But, so kind of in service of that, the game has just an obscene number of collectibles. And the collectibles are so fucking cool and add so much to the game. Like, And most of them are just like printed out documents. And they range from mundane shit like meeting notes from the FBC book club. And they're just petty and narcissistic notes <laughs> from like a book club. Like it's Josh didn't fucking read the book again. Why do we keep letting him show up to like a redacted field report on like one of these instances where it's like we recovered redacted from redacted like 
note there's a great page you pick up at one point where it's like it's like we it's like we regret to inform the agency that um agent blah 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 agent redacted has been killed in the field here are phrases that are proved to be used when contacting his widow it's like condolences or a uh best wishes he was a good man phrases to avoid alaska scissors bled death to the pastry and you're like what the fuck it, it the world is kind of cool like and, and maybe by the end of the game i'll feel it's a complete thing but like i i think i want more of the fbc it's like it's 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 government evil like it's um this field reports where people are like man you keep sending us out to false alarms the field team's getting real fucking bored of that we want to see some action yeah and i it, it kind of ties some stuff backwards like the game could obviously be like all objects of power are evil but they're not like they're just kind of dangerous like the the oldest house the place the entire game takes place in is an object of power and kind of in like a weird twist the object of power like the power of the oldest house is that it's the oldest house like unless you're looking for it or trained to find it you're not ever going to realize it's there down to the point where the, the like again in the mundane but cool category there's, there's a memo from the former director about budgetary decreases and it's this kind of note about how because the FBC is housed inside the accountants can't actually find the expense reports for the FBC, so spend whatever the fuck you want. Like, they have unlimited budget because no one can track down the information about how much the FBC has spent. It's just a cool game. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I just... Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, it's like, and even not all of the objects you run into are necessarily even dangerous, they're just so weird, Yeah, they don't necessarily need, you know, they, they shouldn't be out in public. Yeah. Like, like for example, like, maybe something like, every time you place a pencil beside it, the pencil turns into a pen. Not dangerous, but just maybe shouldn't be out there. So, I mean, and so they range in, in their in their the objects tend to range in their safety yeah. from extremely mundane effects or changes to ones that are yeah world breaking <laughs> yeah and yeah it's, and you're dealing with the world breaking ones yeah that, I, <laughs> like i don't now called chili predicts what the fuck this game is about because i kind of want to and again like spoilers if you want my theories on this one but editor to heat or whoever heavy pronounce his name is it's like he might be God for all I know. Like he he's the power behind the oldest house, though. He may be like the physical embodiment of the board of directors as well. Like, yeah. and this is not a stretch. I'm not really predicting anything that's not abnormal that has been implied by the game already. Like it's yeah. I I think that like there's been some implications that people knew this shit was coming. I I think like your brother that you're looking for. I think. That's tra I, th I think your brother was Trench, or he's the janitor. I'm not sure which one. But also, I got no fucking clue. I'm excited to find out. Like the game is just cool. Yeah, and it's beautiful. I'm not, yeah, I, I, again to rehash things. If you don't have a PS4 Pro or the Xbox uh, Elite or whatever the fuck it's called, the Xbox One One X or a really powerful PC, 
don't get this game. You won't be able to play it. Like I've, I've heard nothing but bad <laughs> things about the base PS4 version and the Xbox version and like a middle tier PC. Like it, it requires a substantial amount of power to make this thing run. It's badly optimized. Like Remedy's been out there saying, "Hey, we're gonna fix this. We're not sure why it's running so badly." But yeah, maybe wait a little bit till it's fixed. Like it, it I, I am waiting for it. Like knowing what I know about how bad this game can run, I've ex- I got, I've not had the game break yet, but I've definitely had some like exiting a menu take way longer than a menu should have take to exit, and that's concerning. Like I, I had a cutscene happen, and then like a solid minute of nothing happening after the cutscene. The characters kind of stare weirdly, and I'm like. Well, guess my game crashed. I mentioned it fixed itself, but like, I, it's yeah. Oh, it's a it's a very busy game, and so it doesn't surprise me too much. No, that it's... Yeah, the physics alone are insane. I, 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 I guess kind of rewind for a quick. This is kind of a Metroidvania as well. Like, it's there's a lot of backtracking. It's also got some Dark Souls stuff where you will find hidden paths that take you back to stuff. You're like, holy shit! How the fuck did I get back here so fast? Um, yeah. It also has, and I think this thing is really cool, it has functional in-world wayfinding. And if you don't know what that means, that means the sign that might direct you around the office is actually accurate. Yeah. And it's how you navigate in the game. Like, you follow the mundane, like, the mailroom is that way signs in-game to get to the mailroom kind of thing. It's so cool. It makes it feel real. I mean, uh, it's, there's yeah. a lot of little touches like that. Yeah. And then there's some fun stuff. Like, it's the, the FBC still uses pneumatic tubes with with stuff in message bottles kind of thing. Like, it, there's all kind of fun, ridiculous, like, yup, this is exactly what an organization in charge of, like, stop. Like, hell, the, the, the lore around what your side, what the um, service weapon is, they basically say it's like, yeah, we're not sure where the service weapon comes from. But we're pretty sure it was the following historic items. Excalibur, Mjolnir, the sniper rifle, the, the crazy Russian sniper had at one point. Like they list like a bunch of legendary weapons through history. They're like, yeah, we're pretty sure it was all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's enough about Control. I, I, I can talk about Starfinder. Some of you two are interested, but uh, we're, the group I run is officially doing the Starfinder thing. We're we're in our real campaign with our real characters. No one's died yet. Um, they're doing some kind of PI work right now. They're they're finding clues to a, what the hell happened to a missing girl, and they got the shit kicked out of them by a Russian, sorry, space Russian mobster. But yeah, probably more on that when the campaign concludes itself, just because I think our tabletop updates now is kind of Jeff's thing, and I'd like to bring that back, but maybe not in a week to week basis. Who's left? Who I. It's been long enough now. Is it Henry? You haven't talked yet. Yeah, I was gonna say. No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So yeah, uh, I had a pretty busy week. Ooh. I all right. So I went to something called the Six Two Six Night Market, which is a thing here in Los Angeles. I know it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know about it. Yeah, and I went to it last year, and I actually totally forgot about this year until I got invited to go again. But essentially, it's a Asian market. It's an Asian night market. It's you have to buy it. You have to. There is an entry fee to get in there. It's a contained night, but it's about I'd say over half food stalls, and then the 
other half is sort of various vendors of products, like uh, just crafts and stuff. But it's really the food side. That's yeah. what really brings people, because it's it has some great stuff. It's delicious. I mean, I even posted about it on my Instagram. And so uh, one of the things I had was, yeah, I went one of the booths, is a it was a hybrid or a fusion uh a, a fusion between indian and mexican and it was super good it was delicious so it just used kind of spices that are no that are common in both cuisines i had uh the it was tater tots it was potato yeah it was like you know, fried potatoes with a bunch of jackfruit i got the jackfruit uh, on top, which and the jackfruit was infused with incredibly tasty, like it's just it was good. It was extremely good. The other big thing that I had there was a Hong Kong style waffles, which are sort of have bubbles or balls instead of indentions. So it's pretty easy just to rip off like a piece of it because you just rip off a piece and it's like you have this little ball of waffle and they had a lot of different flavors so i went for the adventurous one i tried out the seaweed flavor uh, along with and it also came with ice cream and some little bit of fruit and it was really good it was actually like the seaweed waffle worked extremely well with the ice cream. and that was yeah that was i mean you know a surprise i didn't know how it would turn out how it would be honestly i mean but it was delicious, so, and, yeah, they just have so, so many different types of foods, and that, that's, that's, I, I enjoy kind of that, yeah, I enjoy cuisines from, especially creative cuisine, and so that's super cool. And then I, and then and the other kind of half is all the craft stuff, and so you get some pretty neat stuff, I mean, some of them are some pretty cool artists. I end up picking up a pin, neat, uh, a really neat pin with a dragon on it, and that doesn't, I can't do it justice by describing it. It's, ex it's extremely detailed, like ridiculously detailed. And so it's, yeah, and so, yeah, I had a lot of fun at that. That was cool. Went there with several other people, with uh, three other people, and so that, that was really fun. It was really fun just to sort of take it all in and yeah i and then on labor day so here in the u.s we have labor day and so monday was labor day and so i went to venice beach and 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 the funny thing is all right so to get there i took the train to santa monica and so santa monica was packed i mean it, it generally is and so even the beach it was just i mean umbrella Besides and beside umbrellas, sun umbrellas. So I mean, it was completely packed. But if you just head down a bit south from that to Venice Beach, Venice Beach is like, I mean, just you know, not sparse so much. But in a certain sense, yeah, it was not crowded at all. And so I had my choice of wherever I wanted to be on the beach and just sat there and chilled for a bit. Took in the Venice Beach vibe, and that was so. That was also fun. Went there with one of my friends. And so that was also super cool and just spent the whole day there just taking it all in. And so that's that's cool. And so I like that.
I do like the vibe of Venice Beach. It has a, it has a cool feel to it. So. But yeah, so I actually went out and did things. So sometimes I, I mean, most of the yeah. time I don't. I don't really go out around that much, to be honest. We all live busy, I mean, unfortunate lives. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And so, other than that, I, I did, I did play a game. Oh. Um, I played one of the games that I got off of the Epic Store's occasional here's a game for free things. I, mm. I finally got around to playing Hyper Light Drifter. Ah. And, I. All right, so right off the bat, the way it tells its story is completely visual. Like everything is visual. Like there's no language ever moved, ever, ever used. Even the stores and stuff, it's all, it's all described to you in visual language, and I think that's very cool. It's very clever, very unique. The game itself has a very cool art style. I mean, all right, and that, that's. But this is a game that's also pixel art, and so that well the kind of low low definition pixel art, you know, the eight bit or sixteen bit style. Loathe to give a game like that like any credit because there's so many just uh, just very meh it, pixel art, which just seems to be used as an excuse to just use low res art. But in this case, they've used it very well, and it's visually pretty stunning. It's, it's actually really well done. The atmosphere is nice. And it feels like you are in another world. It really does feel like you're in a completely different place with its own language, its own culture. And, but yeah, all the storytelling is visual, so... I mean, it takes a little bit of... Well, it takes quite a bit of thinking and talent to pull that off to where the game doesn't just, like, what am I doing? I mean, I've even... You know, I've played games that straight up kind of have a lot of, you know actual cues and stuff and i still end up wondering what i'm doing but in this game it's like no actually uh, it's kind of clear what i need to do next they've they've used clever visual language and instructions to tell me all right so these are things you can do and here's where you should probably head to next and so that's that's pretty cool it's uh, the one place where it feels a little off for me, all right, so all right, so the action itself and so the way it controls is is fine. Like it's the top down style of action game, and so you have you have multiple weapons you can use. So far I haven't collected that many yet. I only have you start out with a sword and a gun. And the way you control each of those is pretty good i mean the sword is just you press one of the like one of the face buttons on your controller and the gun you use by holding down one trigger and then pressing the other trigger to fire and so it has that type of style for the gun which is kind of cool i kind of i i like i kind of like that actually it feels like you have a little more control over where you're shooting at and so and there's a some pretty cool mechanics in place. You could, there's a dash that you're invincible during, and so that's that's your main way of sort of dodging around and getting close to enemies or making a lot of distance very quickly. And so, but the one thing that all right, and so this has happened with me on a, I guess on a few games is is there's too many effects. And they actually end up covering up the action, so it gets hard to see your character or to tell you where your character actually is. 
And so when stuff starts to get in the way of action and you have a very action-oriented game, I, I think you should consider cutting it down because the other problem is the game isn't using transparency. Like, there's no transparency in the game, so when they use an effect, it just covers everything up. You can't see what's underneath at all. And so, and the game has a lot of effects going on, and so it's easy to get very lost. And I've played games like this before, where the same thing was happening, it's just, there's so much going on, it's too busy, and there's, and then the action's being covered up by too many effects. Yes, the effects are very cool, but they also interfere with what ha what needs to be fairly precise action. I mean, to, to get out of the way of an enemy to attack that enemy, you have to be able to really focus on where you are on the screen, and that gets increasingly difficult when there's a lot of enemies firing, firing off a lot of different effects all at the same time. And so that's that would be my only kind of quibble with it. Also right now, just the combat's a bit, I don't know, because I only have the first two weapons. I mean, I'm interested to see what the other weapons will be like and what they add to the combat. But yeah, uh, the base combat is fine. But yeah, it's the it's the effects that are getting in the way. And, and I think designers should be more wary of that. I mean, one of the reasons why, like for me, like Spelunky. Spelunky is just really easy to play. Nothing ever obscures the, the action. I'm never like... Well, what hit me, actually? Or how did I die in Spelunky? It has just enough stuff to where it doesn't just feel like it's flat, but it doesn't have so many sort of crazy effects going on to where you don't know what happened to you. And it's already happened to me in Hyperlight Drifter where who actually hit me? I can't tell who hit me because there's so much weird stuff going on and stuff is covering up each other. So now I really can't tell what's going on, and I don't know who's attacking me, or sometimes even what is attacking me. Some of the smaller creatures are entirely covered up by these, by some of these attacks and the effects coming off of the attacks. And so at that point, it just becomes sort of a pain, and it's just like, well, I guess I'm just blindly slashing here, hoping that I, that the tiny creatures that are also attacking me don't hit me. And so that's that's where it gets kind of frustrating and so I feel like that that's something they probably could have improved in the game but I mean so yeah yeah I, I don't like a lot of the I, I like this game but like I said I don't like a lot of the pixel games I think they're lazy and uninspired there's a lot I mean, of them yeah and even the alright so like the new one that got a lot of hype but it's just all nostalgia hype is River City Girls and I'm like Wow, that's a very mediocre beat em up. Is that even still technically a sequel to Ransom or Radio Diversity Ransom 2 or something it, like that still? It's, it's, I guess, it's just thematically similar, but I mean, they throw in enemies from the Double Dragon series too, so I mean. But it's just like, I'm looking, I'm like, wow, this has already been made like 10 times before. Like, the Scott Pilgrim game was this game, except Scott Pilgrim game had way more moves you could do. The, the NES River City Ransom had, had seemed to have a wider variety of moves. I mean, I'm just I'm just like, the game's fine, it controls fine, but it's just incredibly unimpressive. I mean, like, the, the art is fine, I guess, 
but it also switches between this high def art for the cutscenes, you know, this you know, not, you know, high definition artwork, and then it's all pixel stuff for every for for the game itself, and so that's kind of jarring, and that's obvious, and that's like you should stick with one or the other. If you're gonna make a game, stick with one or the other. Don't mix it, or else it just makes the game itself feel. I don't know. I just I don't know. It just I there again. I just think it's lazy. A lot of pixel games are incredibly lazy in their artwork, and this one, the sprite work is average. I mean, it's not particularly great. It's not bad, but the sprite work is in very average. It also includes some cringy stuff, like you, there's actually one of the moves that I saw that you can do, which is a uh, dab. Yeah. I am yeah. not looking forward to Borderlands. I, I, I'm 100% sure dab trap is in that game. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like I don't know. I'm I'm I am really 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 sick of these pixel games coming out because anymore with the rare ones that I've seen that are like, ooh, that one actually is well done and the artwork's cool and you know I like it, and then there's like fifty bajillion that are just like awful to average, and there again it just seems like it was a cheap way to get out of making high definition artwork. And so I want more 2D artwork that's not freaking pixel, pixel style. I just think that's... So and we don't normally do this because this game is Hyperlight Drifter. We're not saying if you like pixel art, you're a bad person. Henry just doesn't like pixel art. Yeah. We know well, this no. game won a bunch of awards. Hyperlight Drifter is super pixel art. Yeah. I like extremely good pixel yeah. art. But just average pixel art is just like why? Yeah. We're in a modern gaming. Yeah, that's that's trying to get across. Like this is exceptional pixel art. We're not bashing pixel art. We're we're, we're bashing the overuse of it, not Hyperlight Drifter specifically for being pixel yeah. art. Yeah, Hyperlight Drifter is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous. It has some amazing pixel art in it. The backgrounds are absolutely stunning. They do with some of the uh, like yeah. scrolling, like like it's. It's it wanna, like the parallax scrolling. It just yeah. it, there's some really dramatic reveals with that, and it's just really, really beautiful. It, but yeah, it's the rarity among yeah. The it, it won a bunch games. of awards for design, and so then deserves the kind of thing. I just wanted to clarify that we're not knocking pixel art. Like we're, we're not no. knocking this game's pixel art. We're knocking the concept of pixel art and the overuse of it. Like yeah. and dabbing, we're knocking dabbing. Yeah. Okay. We yeah we are dunking on dabbing. Yes. So yeah. Uh, all right. So other than that, I watched a. Uh, well, I was looking around. Well, when it comes to anime, I tend to go for stuff that's not high school because, oh boy, I am a couple of decades out of high school, and so that stuff <laughs> super doesn't. Oh come on, me. old man, get in there and uh, get in there and feel connected to the young people. I, you, you just gotta walk up and be like, "Hello, fellow." Yeah. Hey, how's that newest anime? I yeah. think Naruto is the best Dr. Bayou. Can you believe the filler arc is over? But yeah, the, that's the thing people see, say, I mean, right? that's why I'm in, you know, I I I'm into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's it's not for kids. So I mean, and so I I tend to try to look for ones like that. Or so is I found it, is it maybe It's for all ages, yes. I mean. But I mean, it's not it's not like it, it it does involve some people that are in high school, but it is not about high school. 
is not about high school life, you know, as people who watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure are fully aware of. But, all right, so what I watched was, um, it was there again, kind of similar in that the characters are younger. At first, I didn't realize that, all right, and I'll describe why. And so I watched an anime called Dagashi Kashi. It's on, it's available on Funimation's site through their streaming. And it's essentially like this love letter to older Japanese snacks and sort of what's kind of considered traditional ones, even modern traditional, I'd say snacks that became popular in the 70s, 80s, and even 90s. And so, you know, and so that it's, it's classic, not necessarily like going back 100 years, but, you know, 50 years. And so, but, and so the premise is, there's a main character, uh, the main character is the son of a shop owner, a, a, a traditional Japanese snacks shop owner, which is, which is very much a thing in, in, in Japan, sure. and in rural Japan especially, like these locally owned places that just stock tons and tons of candy and snacks and such, that are off, like a lot of in them the are US, like super... In the we call them 7-Elevens. But, I mean, but no, it'd be more like these sort of locally owned kidding, sweet places yes. <laughs> that that exist here too but yeah it's and so the character is and but he doesn't want to take it over and so and in sort of a very tropish type of thing the the daughter of like a major owner of a major snacks company wants to come and hire the char- main character's father who's apparently kind of a genius when it comes to snacks and sweets or something but prefers to just live a small small town life running this little shop so she comes to try to convince him and so and she's just sort of this very crazy quirky character that type of thing you know throwing a crazy quirky city character into quiet country life is she the hero dreams of sushi of snacks uh kind of yeah i mean she's actually yeah pretty much like that because she's She's super, super snacks and absolutely loves them and just has this encyclopedic knowledge. And so in some ways, the show ends up being like this, well, this like, you know, 20-something minute long commercial for a variety of different snacks for many different companies. And so that's the interesting thing about it. It's like, it is definitely many different snacks from many different companies. So I, I imagine this is completely supported by ad revenue. But it's a it's a nice little story. See, at first, because it's like the main character is taking over his dad's store, or at least his dad wants him to. And then one of his friends, like, is working at at her family, uh, her family's cafe, which is like a like general cafe with like coffee and stuff like that. And so I I but. It, it this is taking place like during a summer break, so they aren't in school, but it's more of this. Really, the story revolves around the the just kind of encyclopedic descriptions of candy and just silly things that they get up to, and so it's fun. Like I said, I was hoping it'd be a little bit more older audience tilted, but it'll still it's still been a fun watch, and is I I kind of like. I kind of like shows about food. There, I've watched several shows about food at this point. Some of them specific, like that, get into the the real aspects of the food, and then just kind of weaving a story around it. Like, uh, 
restaurant from another world was one of my favorites that was that was that went on for a little while Do you watch polar bear cafe ever no actually i haven't seen it that I've one been might be a rally yeah and so but yeah this one was definitely but yeah i like the subject matter it is interesting i i kind of like to see the history behind some of these foods you know these snacks that i've personally tried out and eaten honestly and so yeah, that's that's just it was it's light very lighthearted. It's fun. It's there again, it's it's throwing in a trope of like the crazy city person coming in and sort of throwing a wrench into quiet country life. I mean that's that's definitely been a trope I've seen in you know, in, in many, many media. But it's I don't mind it when it's well done and this is well done. It's just but it yeah, it's lighthearted fun. It's nothing particularly deep unless you are super into snacks and then then it's deep for you i guess but, uh that's that's pretty much what i got to this week i i mean yeah i actually had a fairly busy week ready to talk about news sounded different this week i'm not sure why but it had more of a like Beat to it than normal. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know. <laughs> We're trying to be a little hip. Trying to throw in a little more bass. I can. I can do a poker rendition next week. Oh, please <laughs> do not do that. Poker rendition next oh, week. Got God. it. I'll start practicing. Um. Where do you want to start this week? We got a lot of news. I want to start the Nintendo Direct, and I guess Nintendo related news. Sure. Yeah. Alrighty. So there was a Nintendo Direct. Uh, in typical Nintendo Direct fashion, it was very Nintendo. It was a YouTube video. Uh, a lot of stuff got revealed for it. Um, probably depending on who you are, the biggest piece of news to come out of it is that um, one Terry Bogart is coming to Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Say the joke, Alex. Mm-hmm. Say what joke? That Smash Brothers has now become the video game of video games. It really, it really is video games. The fucking video game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Power Wave, Burning Knuckle. Yeah. I'm I'm ready. Rooms of of people playing Smash Ultimate to be just filled with Power Wave, Burning Knuckle, well, so I, over and over. Again. We have like a Smash Finals for a tournament. That's just like Ryu or Ken. Versus Terry Bogart, and none of the Nintendo characters are involved yeah. in the finals. We're like, <laughs> the fuck are we watching? I, I would like to give a shout out to Nintendo for officially starting off Capcom versus SNK Part yeah. 3 yeah. before Capcom yeah. did. Yep. Shout out a little Steve. bit, yeah. Fuck, there's even Mega Man <laughs> in the game already. Yeah. 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 What other characters should they get? Uh, Well, you've got to get my. Okay. You've got to get. Uh, SNK. You've got to get the samurai from Samurai sure. Showdown, the main one. Yeah, Halamaru, who's already yeah. appearing in other games as yeah. it is. Soul Calibur yeah, for a... one. Yeah. Um, I'm just realizing Yori, there's no samurai character in Smash. Yeah. Not, not yet. Yeah. Give it time. Interesting. I would have imagined that there would yeah. be one. By no, I, me like, too. Like, like even like Goemon, or just like know? a samurai. I guess Greninja's in there, but. That's, yeah, that's but it's like it's not even a yeah, samurai be, sword though, or anything from the items. I don't think. Yeah, I mean to be honest, we do have enough sword 
characters already in fucking What I'm Batman. hearing now is yeah. we need more sword characters. Exactly. Specifically from the Fire Emblem yeah. series. Really, if you're in a Fire Emblem that's, game... That's a should... franchise they have yet to really touch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe Waluigi but, will be yeah. a samurai. Terry, mm. Terry walking American stereotype Bogart. Yep. Get wrecked. He power waves onto your consoles in the near future. Yep. yep. As part of this direct, it was revealed... Uh, uh, sorry, I gotta rewind some and cover something that's very near and dear to at least me and Henry's heart on this one. Um, as part of the Smash Brothers reveal, it um, uh, uh, Banjo-Kazooie's out, by the way, already, and as part of that reveal, but it was like out the day after the director, the day of the direct going up, I don't fucking remember. But yeah. as part of this, we learned that I can fucking whoop anyone's ass at Smash one-handed. Like, if you haven't seen this shit, watching him play himself with just holding two controllers is kind of amazing. Yeah, and he's <laughs> actually, and he's doing this, playing very well, while talking to you, to everybody in this video. I mean, he is literally talking about the game and talking about stuff while playing against two other CPU yeah. players. It's madness. And... Uh, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it is so cool. It, it, it's like he's like having a hard time. It's a, this seems like I now understand why it takes so long to make a Smash game. Sakurai has to play test every matchup himself. Yeah, you know. He, yeah, he's the Shaggy of the Smash world. He's only using point something percent of his power. I want to yeah. see him play and in a tournament now. Like, as much as he would probably fucking hate being in a tournament for Smash. I want to see him, like, at least at E3 for 2020, I want to see him take on the top Smash players. or something. That's, I feel like I'm deserved that. I deserve that at this point. For putting up with Smash as part of the FGC, <laughs> I want the obvious god of Smash to come in and just be like, oh, you think you're good at my game? Pshaw! I'm not even using both hands yet. I'm about to end these people's careers. Yeah. I, I want to see Sakurai go like Super Saiyan and what that looks like in Smash. Where it's just like, oh, you guys aren't using this tech I have in the game. What tech? What do you mean every character's instant transmission? Yeah, it's in the game. Did no one data, data mine this? <laughs> what do you mean everyone has a one hit kill option? Everyone has a one hit kill option. You mean they can't have the Smash Ball? No, at all times. <laughs> you just put these four commands and you trigger it. What? <laughs> but I just. You can. And he even talks about the fact that he has to hold them side by side now because of the way the controllers yep. are, because stacking them on top of each other wasn't working. It was like he was accidentally pressing some of the buttons. And so now he just holds one in each hand. Yeah. Because that's how he rolls. I, it's I, ridiculous. I hate this phrase, but absolute mad lad. Yeah. Yep. What a what a what a smash Chad right I've... there. Just totally nope, moving on. I... Ah, I hate that one too. Bad oh, lad, somehow. So this is the, all right. So we got something for the people who are into retro nostalgia. A bunch of Super Nintendo games have been announced. Almost every Super Nintendo game you might care about that's actually a Nintendo property at this point, including, but also including others that are why, but. A lot of very good ones, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad that Demon's Crest got included in there because that's a cool game. That's a super cool game. But, I mean, this this is, yeah, this is like, here's actually the best Super Nintendo games, not 
whatever we decided to shovel onto you. I think Star Fox 2 should be on there, personally. Yeah, yeah. That fucking console should be in the game. But, I mean, at least Star Fox is on there. But, yeah, yeah but, like, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Metroid, Super Mario World, Super Mario Kart, I mean, all the Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, this Link to the Past, it's hitting all of the big ones. So, I mean, it's it's the most popular games have already been announced. Yeah. And so that's 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 pretty impressive, to be honest. On top of that, the uh, mining of Wii U games continues. Tokyo Mirage Session. Uh, pound Sign FE Encore. I fucking hate the Mirage game. It, it, it's got too many titles now. <laughs> but yeah, the, I'm, I'm excited about that because I wasn't ever going to buy a Wii U, and I might well buy a Switch, especially with the smaller Switch that's coming out. Yeah. Which is which is going to be cheaper as well, um, but yeah, the uh, yeah this one, which is the best matchup possible, which is Shin Megami Tensei plus uh, Fire uh, Fire Emblem or no uh, Fire Emblem, right? I think so. Yeah, I've yeah. never played the game. I just know of it. Like in the JRPG community, people fucking just like go hard on that game. Yeah, and so I've been wanting to play that because. Yeah, I am a super fan of the Shin Megami Tensei series, the larger yeah. world of that, the 50 or so games in that series. And I'm not, you know, those that know, I'm not I'm not exaggerating at all. That but yeah, Fire Emblem, but with Fire Emblem in the most crazy looking game ever, but yeah. I I'm into that. Yeah. End of the spectrum of that one, we have the announcement that um, Deadly Premonition Two: A Blessing in Disguise, a game no one wanted but we're all super excited is happening now, is coming in 2020. It appears it will be a Switch exclusive. If you don't know what the fuck a Deadly Premonition One is, you're not alone. It's a PS PS3 PS3. Yeah, I thought PS2 as well. I- it is a weird game made by I'm Sweary, who I know we've talked about on this podcast before. Um, he is it is Twin Peaks the video game, but Sweary swears he has never seen or heard of Twin Peaks. Where people are like, hey, this is like Twin Peaks. Like, what the fuck's a Twin Peaks? <laughs> uh, it is a weird murder mystery Resident Evil ish game that. The creator has gotten out there on numerous occasions and said, man, I wish I hadn't been forced to put combat in this game. Like, it, it, in so many ways, it was ahead of its time, and in so many ways, it's just, just, it's one of the last truly bizarre games made for a PlayStation console that was like, yeah, you can pick this up for 20 bucks. Oh, it's old? No, it's, it's out today. Like, th- this was a truly bizarre game that got a real cult following to it that, in no way needed a sequel, but I'm sure people are fucking stoked it's getting a sequel. Yeah. I don't yeah, love the I, game, I... but I'm excited to see the bullshit that comes out with that, because holy <laughs> shit, was... I... If you... I would never say, go play Deadly Premonition. Go find a premonition, like, I... Especially done by people that are big Twin Peaks fans watch that maybe instead because holy shit like the The mechanics the mechanics of the game were rough is one of the reasons i say that yeah 
the actual playing the game is a bit rough the, mecha- the way the mechanics work but the yeah. atmosphere and the way it it folds out like the way the story unfolds is well, just the general weirdness really of the game too yeah but that's cool that's yeah. interesting like it, it is a game where they have like intentionally awkward cutscenes that like zoom out to reveal the two characters to see that like a 40 foot long table and you're like what the shit yeah, um, Assassin's Creed Rebel Collection will be available December sixth. It is uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag and Assassin uh, Flag, sorry, and Assassin's Creed Rogue uh, coming to the uh, ah, sorry, the Switch. Uh, it's it's the pirate games. Yep. Yar. Uh, only one of those is good. Rogue is fine. I. Rogue is the weird one too, where you're playing an assassin that defects and becomes a Templar. Like it's, it, it's weird, but it's also cool they're bundling them together. I, I, I might guess that both of these would come out to other consoles, but I, I don't know. It might be a Switch exclusive thing. They're already available. Oh, so yeah. in the weirder category, Rogue was the one made for old consoles when the PS4 and Xbox One launched. Like it. It's history is just strange. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. As part of this, we uh, part of the same direct, we learned that uh, Overwatch is coming to uh, Switch, a platform with no in game or in kind of system based voice support. Yep. So funny tidbit about that: Overwatch came out and said they'll actually they're going to be integrating their own overwatch uh voice chat stuff yeah, in the game for we, it we, so that takes care of that yeah but yeah they they're doing which does not provide a viable or reasonable voice okay chat. let's stick to the more cynical aspect then the internet on the switch sucks <laughs> yeah it does yeah so we'll have to see how that happens i mean the company that boarded them is a pretty good pretty good at kind of net code and just general ports. So we'll see. We'll have to see. Yep. Uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 Definitive Edition. I think this is the second Definitive Edition I've heard about for this game. Uh, is out already. It's got cross-save between it and the Steam version, which is cool. Uh, game Freak has a new game, or has a new game called Town. It's now revealed to be called... Uh, Little Town Hero. Not much is known about this still yet. The uh, guy that did a bunch of work for Undertale is working on it, so that could be cool. Uh, in the category of no one asked for this, but we're getting it, uh, Bethesda is re-releasing Doom 64. Yep. <laughs> yep. But, uh, it was The Doom 64 was a weird animal. So, I mean, if you know anything about the game, it did a lot of stuff that it was kind of like in between Doom and as far as the technology goes. It had a kind of a clever way of having room over room where they just kind of had the... It's hard to describe it, but it's it's a different beast than any... It's not Doom. It is a sequel to, the, to Doom 2, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it is where the backstory of the newest Doom game comes from, to be honest. Like where Doom sixty four ends, that's the that's the space where kind of where there's a long period of time, and then the newest Doom game begins. And so 
there is there it's not it is not a rehash of the older doom game so that is interesting but it's its own thing yeah it's a completely different story it is a continuation of i remember it, owning it is, the nintendo power for it yeah yeah but anyway so in the same the game, no one asked for this category still war uh star mispronouncing all types of shit today Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast is coming to Switch on September 24th. Like, oh. And that is the one I am actually kind of excited about. You can just really? get it for PC! Yeah. I have it for PC, but I like being able to take it on the uh, go! Okay, so how many mods Jedi Outcast with? Zero. I play a mean set of the do game. Do you do any of the editing to like make it so lightsabers are one-hit kills or anything like that? No. Okay, cool. So a a lot of people don't know what that game is like without those. That was yeah. <laughs> oh no! I played the whole uh, the whole single player game and everything like through it. Like I I love the okay. story of the game. I love the multiplayer modes. Like uh, d- just checking. Yeah. Like again, we've had the situation of like, oh, the the combat of Skyrim is fine once you install these nine mods to it. So it's not <laughs> fine. You just like the mods that make it better. No, it's fine after the mods. I don't. I'm playing on console. There's no mods. We should be playing on PC. I'm yeah. not. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to check. No, we used to. We, I used to post like, or I used to set up little servers at my friend's place, and we just played pure vanilla version of that sure. game PvP. So, the only thing I did do was turn off, uh, turn off any weapons other than lightsabers. That was it. Sure. Because if you use a gun, you're stupid. Yes. Super Kirby Clash to play Kirby game for four players coming to the Switch. That's a hundred different quests. It's not quite clear what the free to play of this it means, but relationship with that so far, so we'll see. That thing sounds super fun because Kirby is awesome. The Kirby games are universally awesome. And I doubt they're going to miss with the formula that makes the other ones great. I mean, it's just going to be a great Kirby game that's four-player, yeah. and hey, I am all for that. I think it's going to be absolutely adorable and fun. So, the fun yeah. uh, Scream Park mode it got revealed for Luigi Mansion 3. It's a uh, multiplayer, I guess a versus arena. mode of some kind, yeah. Yeah, arena combat. Hmm. Two to eight players. Again, this is a game. This is for a console with infamously bad internet. But probably on to the news that most people care about, or one of the two big things. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield got some details. They showed off the Poke Camp, where you can kind of frolic with your Pokemon. You can make camp and hang out with them. They showed off some of the character customization options, which I'm not gonna lie, I'm super into. Like you can really make a unique looking character as a result of that. Which I like. Uh, probably the most important thing Pokemon curry. Not you can make curry from Pokemon. I know what I just said sounds like, but you can cook them delicious meals and you have a curry a curry deck to keep track of your recipes and feed them and Which shit. Which is amazing. Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> curry is amazing. I love curry. And so that's that that might make this like the first Pokemon game that I've actually wanted to play. Yeah, I, I and between Bong Weezer and I'm <laughs> like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll check this shit out. Maybe it's worth it. Like, I 
I, I hope someone makes a voice pack that's just a thick Scottish accent for the main character, but I know they won't. Like, that's the one thing you can do to instant sell me on the game. Be able to like, be able to say like, okay, what of these three regional dialects do you have, and have Scottish be one of them, and have at least it right in the Scottish accent. That's the game that takes place in Pokemon England. <laughs> There's totally sheep. <laughs> uh, but probably the other big news item is Animal Crossing New Horizons got some details. I shut off the crafting mode. The how that will all kind of kind of uh, I don't want to call it colonization, but kind of a building up your town thing to it. That sure as fuck feels like colonization, but. Uh, other releases, other thing, uh, we're just gonna blow through a bunch of these because there's a bunch left. Um, Trials of Mana and remake of, um, CK, uh, Seiken? Sendensetsu 3. Com uh, is coming on April 24th of 2020. Uh, Return of the Obra Din is coming to the Switch this fall. Rogue Company, a game we don't know much about, but from Hi-Res Studios, is coming to Switch in 2020. Tetris 99 is getting a new mold called Invictus for all you hardcore Tetris 99 players. And... Uh, Damon X Machina has a new demo that's already out, so if you care about that game, you can go check it out. I think that's the mech game I wasn't a fan of. I'm yes, check. It, is, it is a mech game. I did not think the combat for that game was good. Hmm. No one agreed with me on that, but I also, I'm not sure if they've ever played Iron Core. Yeah. Not part of this direct, though, was some good old weird Nintendo news. Uh, in the same spirit as kind of the Wii Fit, we have the Nintendo Fitness Belt Ring thing. No official name yet, I don't think, but it appears a nation of like a hard plastic circle and like also the ability to strap a Joy-Con to you or something along those lines. Yeah, and it's a bunch of that's my exercises. favorite part. Yeah, it's it straight up straps Joy Cons to you. So the way it seems to work is you put a Joy-Con into the plastic ring, and that picks up on a various motions. Uh, I, what I'm doing is not describing the trailer, just fucking idiot using this thing, but it also illustrates the idea that, like, based on the have, like, an archery game, or Pilates and yoga and, like, uh, uh, um, aerobics exercises done with this thing. Like, it's lots of people making straining faces, doing weird shit with this ring. I, I, yeah... <laughs> Could be a success. I know the Wii Fit was. Oh, you know what? Mm -hmm. All right, now that I'm now that I'm looking at it closer, I've seen other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of these tension ring things that people use that that's already existing. Yeah. Except with Joy Cons thrown into it. Gamification, baby. Yep. And I. <laughs> yeah. Oh, people look wow. fucking idiots using this thing. It's great. Like I, it's. No dignity is used in this trailer. Oh, yeah. But if it gets people to exercise like, you know, I, that's not bad. I doubt they will, but <laughs> I think some people will, certainly. Yep. Maybe not after watching this commercial. But... It's just the kind of device you use in a totally dark room with no windows for fear of someone being like, what you doing with that ring? Oh, God! It's not, I'm exercising. Yeah. Really? That's what you call exercising? Okay. All I gotta say is they failed a pristine opportunity to bring back Reggie to introduce this and say my body is ready. 
We don't because that's how they introduced the Wii. Was it the Fit thing? We last don't, time, wasn't it? I, that predates that, I think, though, too. I don't know. We don't know what Bowser has to say about this. Bowser could do something fun with it still. Yep. Like, if there's not somebody of him using it, being like, I'm going to kill that Mario while using it, a missed opportunity has definitely transpired. Yeah. Not a lot of details on this thing, except it makes people look weird while using it, but exercise makes people look weird in general. So Yeah. Yeah. Where to go next? Let's burn through some game release I stuff. Um... Uh, Torchlight 2, remember Torchlight 2? It's coming to consoles, apparently, in the near future. I didn't know that it hadn't already done that. I'm shocked it wasn't Yeah, that, that's the general reaction everyone's had to when I've said this to them. Uh, I'm trying to find an exact release. I'm not sure. I'm, Torchlight's kind of fun, I, dude. Torch good. I, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like Torchlight. It's got weirdness in it. I, those who know what Torchlight is, it was a competitor to Diablo. It's... A lot of people argue, is Torchlight 2 better than Diablo 3? Some say yes, some say no. It's got stuff. It's a good game. Yeah. And it probably works fine on a console. Yeah. I mean, it would work out on a console. It's not exactly a new game at this point, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fun. But yeah, oh, wow. Um, 12. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit of time. Yeah, I'm Alex like, had the correct Ooh. reaction. What do you mean it's not already out consoles? Yeah. yeah, I saw this. I'm like, it's not already. I thought they were talking about that for fucking ever. Yep. Yeah. Um. Where to go next? Uh, I guess kind of different releases. If you have Destiny Two Forsaken but didn't buy the season pass, you'll get that for free on September seventeenth. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Regardless of kind of what platform you're playing on, I. I feel a little bit stupid because I definitely bought that for the PC in preparation of wanting to play on it for a couple months before Shadowkeep came out. And I'm like, man, good spot forsaken, but no. The year two annual for pass. For free, yeah. There's only been, yeah, there's only been one year annual pass, yeah. right? Yeah. So we'll be getting the second one for free. Okay. No, no, you, you, get, the, you get the one for forsaken for free. Remember, Forsaken is just oh, like the, the that you should already have. I'm talking the one with um, Black Armory, uh, Joker's Wild, or Season of the Drifter, and Season of Opulence. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. One, if you will, not one that doesn't contain Osiris and Warmind in it. That one you should have gotten for free when you bought Forsaken, but it's either here nor there. Um, crossed off the wrong thing. My bad. Um, other releases. This one. There's another one. Uh, we talked about it some, but yes, they're indeed making a Doom Eternal vodka. I think we talked about that in our preamble. If not, hey, they're making a Doom Eternal vodka with bones in it. I don't know which preamble I'm using at time of recording. Probably that one. So this is redundant at this point. Uh, it's not necessarily released, but it's kind of a quick and funny one. Uh, Kojima got out there and said that if you're interested in what the fuck the hype around Death Stranding is, but aren't good at video games, there's going to be a very easy which it's that's great. kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, but you know you what? Want to play the story? It makes it. It makes a heck of a lot of sense. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, especially I think, for Kojima. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, he's making a film. He's. I mean, it really is. Is like 
it's the most you know film ass game. We have I've no seen. idea. I mean, holy crap! So Seems like a I smart think that's move. actually a really good idea. Yeah. I mean, if only you're gonna open to hey, literally anybody can play this. Yeah, and I think it's. I'm not sure if that thing has buzz that gets out of the gaming space, but I mm. have gotten the impression it does. The idea is like, yeah, if you're on this, you can play my game if you'll buy it. Why? It's, I, I have a very easy mode for you young gamers. But I also well, love the fact that it's like, if you're for the film crowd, I have very easy mode. I'm like, I appreciate the fact that you're like, for the non-gamers, we have fucking yeah. easy mode. And yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. I mean, the of very popular actors he's brought into this, it's, yeah, it's gotten... It's gotten bigger buzz than out of just, you know, the video game world, yeah. so. But, yeah. Yep. What next? Um, as our resident troll, Alex, do you want to talk about the current state of WoW Classic? Uh, people are playing WoW Classic. I've heard stories. Oh, I'm of- talking about the ongoing DDoS Re- attacks. Oh, the DDoS shit's still yep. happening. Yeah. Mm. Um. So apparently, a few days ago, they started DDoSing class or just WoW servers in general, so people couldn't log on. And it's apparently been an ongoing thing for the last couple of days, on again, off again, where they just DDoS the fucking servers. So, yeah, it's annoying, but it is what it is. You know, what? people DDoS and shit for no reason, but other than just be dick. You know what? Whatever. Maybe it's a part of the classic feel. You know. To get a real feel for what it was like to be classic, you have to include DDoSing as well, because that's a part of the game. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. it's just <laughs> it's just another it's another nostalgic feature. Yeah. Yeah, no, this really it, it does feel like they're really delivering the classic WoW experience. <laughs> so uh, again, but doesn't matter because even then with retail, it's also been a thing. Yeah. Because uh, obviously it's the same servers, but I think with it's funny that I've heard stories of wild guilds breaking up in retail because they've moved on to go back to play classic, which is I think stupid because that's amazing. Classics already been fucking done. <laughs> not new content, but hey, whatever makes you happy. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just. For me, that's just been a dumb yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> DDoSing in general fucking sucks. It's not like it's skilled hacking. Yeah. It's just denial of services, as the name implies. Yep. Mm-hmm. All it does is you you just send a bunch of data their way yeah. from a lot of different servers, a lot of different sources. Yeah. That's it. In the same vein of things, Alex, would you like to do the other piece of troll reporting we have this week about uh, EA's new Guinness Book of World Record title? Oh, yeah, dude, EA has made it to the official Guinness World Record. And, I mean, you think, oh, you know, for making a very popular franchise, for crushing it in the gaming industry. Most soccer players right? in one booster pack, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that that's what we're expecting they got, right, guys? No, not at all. Oh, no, no. Actually, their record is for the most downvoted comment, on, which is fucking great. Oh, because... It was it if you I think to this date that downvote yeah, it, it's I still think, the most downvote as the Guinness record implies it is the single most downvoted thing ever on Reddit. All right, yeah, and to give you the scale on that, so all right, so this one it has six hundred eighty three thousand downvotes. 
the second most voted downvoted comment is like a tenth of that is like is 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 a down votes or i guess closer to like a seventh of that like yeah so it's like seven times larger than its next competitor for down votes so i mean it's at an extreme number it's crazy yeah so if for those of you wondering what the context was for the comment regards to a post that was made by a user on the star wars battlefront subreddit when battlefront 2 was coming out and it turns out that certain other characters were locked behind loot box heroes and you couldn't play them to begin with now this is the most this is the most memed line i think for a long time probably still memed to this day it was the response from ea's community team with the player who was upset about having their uh having vader and luke and all those characters locked behind loot boxes in order to play them as heroes and so the response was the intent is to provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking different heroes uh at four oh as initial value space upon blah, blah 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 jerk jerk loot boxes are and it's not a ripoff you swear um but yeah surprise mechanics surprise mechanics uh <laughs> circle jerk e for everyone especially with our gambling stuff in games yeah so anyway it was a it was it just it was downvoted to fucking oblivion and it became a good fucking me but yeah it, it's it's the comment sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking loot box based heroes so oh it's fucking great so, I mean, I, I just want to give uh, EA credit for having a sense of pride. Oh, no, the, the, <laughs> you don't have to give them credit, Alex. The Guinness Book of World Records is doing that for you. Finally, yeah. some yeah. mainstream recognition for all their contributions to the gaming industry. Mm -hmm. They're a name in a book. Thank, thank you, base EA, for being shit-tier human yeah. beings. Appreciate it. Indeed. Ah, <laughs> uh, there was some Bungie. Uh, Bungie got out there and announced some changes to Destiny Two. Uh, we're not going to go into the full details here, but I'm going to cover. Uh, as a now hunter main, I'm just kind of sitting in the corner, being like, "Ah, oh, you poor fucking Titans and you poor fucking Warlocks." My tether's still great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, if you want the full details, go track them down yourself. Uh, basically the the game's had a bit of an auto-reloading issue for a little bit now, and it's bringing stuff like Whisper of the Worm back to relevancy. Uh, Alex, you unfortunately have missed the time period of Warlocks just being way too OP in uh, raid situations mm -hmm. and removing a lot of the mechanics from the game. Uh, welcome back. But you, you missed the ridiculous time period. <laughs> the dark times, according to some. But, yeah, I, it's... If you're into Destiny, it's for the most part good stuff and or no one should be surprised by these changes. Many will be annoyed or upset because it's given kind of the state of the game right now. But like if you're being honest with yourself, you saw all of these things coming. I'm sorry, but they were inevitable. Shit was too broken. Yeah. Spike grenades should not be that good. Yeah. Um. Moving on from that. Uh. We have some kind of uh, sad news for Henry this week. I'm just going to let him read it himself so I don't butcher her name by accident. Yes, Ikumi Nakamura, who was who is the 
was the creative director on on Ghostwire Tokyo has departed the studio. And uh, for those that you don't remember, she kind of got some internet fame during a presentation. Uh, during a, a, a Festa E3 present- 2009 presentation, to be precise. Yeah. And so, and it was just you know, really just joyful and honest and really wonderful. And it's just like this really great little, just, you know, actually felt like genuine presentation when, you know, for stiff, overly scripted, robotic, cringy crap. Even our cynical hearts were warm to see someone that seemed to genuinely want to be there. We're like, ha! Huh. Yeah, this person wants to be at E3 still. What the fuck's wrong with her? Yeah, but yeah, uh, but yeah, she she was the creative director, and so that's uh, that's kind of a there. We we even reported recently on another creative director that left part way through again. It's often not a great sign yeah. because the creative director of the it it's it's a little bit different from company to company. The creative director is sort of the glue between all the artistic assets and the general theming of the game. So, and I and I and I'm a person that is big on game theming. That is where it feels like the art and sound and music design and everything feels like a unit whole. That there is that they all fit together well, and that's that's a lot of what a creative director does. They're kind of they are making assets themselves usually in artwork and key art and stuff like that, but they're also making sure that everything works well together. They're kind of the glue between all the art going on. And so, hmm. Um, I don't know what this means for the Devokyo. So I, That thing seems done-ish enough that I... If, I, I again, yeah. we, we don't know what that thing status-wise is. The Halo one was a little bit more disquieting because we don't know what that game is like it might yeah. be far enough on that it just makes sense to make a departure it's like henry said she kind of got a little bit of internet fame off that whole e3 thing so maybe she was approached with a deal that was too good to pass up or something like that. that's what you hope for you hope it's not something more yeah. problematic she wants is sort of a you know an interesting maybe a you know a real it seems thing. like she left of her own accord at least based on what i could find like it doesn't seem like she was forced yeah. out or fired so yeah I, nothing about this says well you know uh, but you know, uh, you know, I I want to believe that it is a more positive reasons. But in any case, yeah, she had also worked previously on like the Evil Within series, yeah, as well as Bayonetta and Okami. So I mean, she's she's got she the pedigree, some, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it is it is a shame to see. Like I said, it's it's a it's kind of an important role in a game. But I guess if it's nearing completion or nearing completion, I guess her. We her have no way of input, knowing, yeah. Her input isn't as necessary as it might have been. But, the, yeah. The one funny reaction I had to this is based on her last couple projects. It's been very... It's not quite clear what Ghostwire Tokyo is. It seems to have some horror aspects to it, but... Yeah. It, it'd be really funny if she's, like, gets a, her neck... She's like, hi, I want to announce Murder Alley, the most horrifying video game ever made, but I'm still super positive about it! That was the one takeaway I had from that. It's like, what if she's like, man, these games aren't gory enough. She, uh, on, on her sort of goodbye tweet, she even linked her LinkedIn account. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, you know, they're again kind of 
sad news in a certain sense, but it's a little you know, bit of a slow hope... news week. And it's been a super bummer lately, so I thought I'd throw this fun one in there. Yeah. Speaking of super bummers, uh, Nathaniel Blue, uh, the a business developer at uh, sorry, Steam business development kind of person there, I got out there and reflected some on the comment that well, kind of kicked off this whole Steam versus Epic Store ongoing thing we have. Much the fuck to call it, like. Internet fight, hissy fit, cats circling each other, yowling at each other. I, yeah. And like, I, nope. I'm not saying yeah. I could, I'm not saying his like response to it at the time was wrong, but he does seem kind of remorseful on the fact that it's taken on like because we're Valve and our it took on a life beyond maybe what they thought it was going to. Like, I, they are competitors, but I think he also understands the idea that like. We didn't mean for, like, game developers to start getting targeted for going to the other platform. That's shitty. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he kind of was trying to address more, I guess, officially. Like, it, it's a bit of a meander thing to it, but it it does seem to be kind of someone from Steam getting out there and saying, like, man, we did not quite realize the far-reaching ramifications of that statement, which was, it's kind of unfair that Metro Exodus is leaving. And it was, but also, holy shit, look where we are now. Like, uh, devs are getting legitimately harassed because they're going for a platform with a better revenue split. Yeah. But in that same vein of things, Alex, you got some Borderlands 2 news for us. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Borderlands 3, 3 is sorry, coming out pretty two. soon. Yeah. Borderlands 3 is coming out soon, and uh, there was no news about being able to preload the game, a feature that's been out for a bunch of other companies since 2004, I want to say. Probably. I've never successfully yeah. preloaded a Steam game ever, so I don't feel too bad on this one. Really? It's always I've done preloaded a, tons I've of always Steam had to games. reinstall the game after preloading it. Yeah. Really? Uh, that's fucking weird. I've had no issues with it ever for all these. I haven't sort of pre-ordered a game before release in like Henry's decades. right. Henry's the smart one on this one. Like yeah, I, Henry wins when it comes. I tend to wait live reviews of the game before I start to consider buying it. To be honest, for me to buy a game like really quickly upon release. So, but mm -hmm. but I understand a lot of people do, and that's to play it literally the minute that it's allowed to be played. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially if you're doing a live service game, you'd want yeah that feature to be available so it's there. I mean, WoW preloads and a bunch of other games do, but you know, for getting the preloading stuff done. Oh wait, it wasn't Epic. Borderlands Three devs had to write that up so the Epic Store could actually preload games. Yep. <laughs> but it's all right though, because it's on the it's on the roadmap for the Epic Store, <laughs> which they took the dates off of. Because they couldn't keep up with their dates for their release on the roadmap. Which is fun into why, but yeah. I think roadmaps are probably going to become one of the biggest memes for this year's... Uh, I think we unfortunately <laughs> have had a year of teaching people don't do, like, as useful as they can be. They also put you in a bit of a bind where it's like, you missed this. We never had any dates on. We showed you a fancy infographic. You missed it! Yep. I feel, I feel like ro if you have to put out a roadmap, or something, it's usually a bad sign. 
No, because WoW has been like, doing roadmaps forever. How have they been, have they been putting out like actual infographics? They've had roadmaps? release schedules, yeah. It's like, do you know, like roadmap level, like, like, hey, we're gonna implement this on this date. And this they on give this you date. time frames, not the, and not stuff. the level like they did Destiny Two and Division. Yeah, but it's still a roadmap. Ago. Like, I'm saying, like the exact dates. That's maybe a problem, but also Destiny's hit most of its exact dates. Like, and Shadowkeep's the first thing to fuck up on that one. I. There's nothing wrong with that's roadmaps saying, necessarily. Unrealistic timetables, that's a problem. Like, if you're using a roadmap to say, like, hey, these will show up at some point in this time frame, that's overly specific ones, that's the problem. I, I, release schedules no, for living games do, are important. What I will say, they'll release certain things, like the dance studio, which never came out until maybe a few months ago, actually, and they talked about that back in Wrath, but that was part of a quote-unquote expansion feature. It wasn't a roadmap. Like, they don't actually have that on there. Like, hey, this is what's coming out on this roadmap. No, they have PTRs and stuff, but it's not like a roadmap like they did with, like, Destiny 2 and Division 2 and Anthem. Those are those are way different levels of roadmaps. And any roadmap release for something, it's always been a fucking clusterfuck, as far as I'm concerned. So, just roadmaps are just a meme, I think, this year when it comes to I think you're tying them too much to this year than they should be. It's they are increasingly problematic. Like I, the the PUBG roadmap is a yeah, real problem. PUBG roadmap, freaking uh, the Epic Store roadmap, mm-hmm. Anthem roadmap. There was no like, roadmap for Anthem. Oh, oh, there was. <laughs> there was. No, no, we got a fancy piece of paper that was a lie. <laughs> yeah. So. I think I, I think at one point we we need to come up with a new award for the end of the year game awards, and just throw like the roadmap game of the year or some shit like that. I don't know. We'll come up with something, but I feel like roadmaps at this point are just are just meme material. Don't actually mean anything. But that's just me. But yeah, I just like I want to give the Epic Store some credit for some stuff, but when you have to have another third party dev come up with the code for you guys to do preloading for a game. It's fucking stupid. But anyway. Sure, I, I'm not sure you necessarily need that preloading for games, but I, I get who it's for. I'm not one of those people. I have a day. I have a day job. I have to go to. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in there. That was fun, with, especially with the imminent release of Borderlands Three. Yeah, the, so. the the last minute controversy we did. I still don't know, actually. Like, this is something that people seem weirdly not uh, talking about at all. I don't know if Epic Store and Steam will be cross-playable. I assume so, but no one's actually confirmed that yet. Oh, that would be fucking great. Um, well, I do know that Borderlands doesn't use, like, even on Steam, yeah. it never used the back end for Steam. It used its own. Yeah. As well as even its own That's why I'm not too worried. Yeah, the whole shift keys. Like, again, I'm not too worried, about, but, like, it's weird. No one said that, like, oh, by the way, you can totally play Steam. Because uh, if this was Windows Store versus Steam, we'd be having a very different conversation. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it seems like, I mean, they aren't, they didn't even use the back end for Steam in the first place. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see that being a problem. I mean, they're not probably not going to be using Epic's back end either. Yeah. They're going to be using their own. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't see that as being a problem. I don't either, but it's still one of those things where it'd be nice if someone said, yo, we're doing this. Yeah, because, well, the thing, other thing is, like, if somehow, 
Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it is. I, I am too, but still it's something I bring. I'm a little yeah. bit concerned about it. Uh, where to go next? Um Let's talk well, about the Pokemon got... Go lawsuit. Okay. I feel like we talked about this three years ago when it happened. Maybe yes. we didn't. I don't know. Feels like we probably, probably talked about it at that time. Uh, but Most likely. to catch you all up, um, there at one point was a uh, someone filed a class action lawsuit against Niantic and Pokemon Go on the grounds that the game created public nuisances, specifically that it brought kind of people into parks or neighborhoods past normal kind of foot traffic times and created excess noise or hazard to property. Like this was mostly aimed at people that suddenly found out their houses or apartment buildings were poker stopped and were having people kind of camp out on their lawns or yeah, some unfortunate like, per, yeah. like people's houses, like people's actual houses. And you just see a bunch of randos sitting on your lawn and that's like kind of like actually on your lawn too, which is part of the yeah. problem. Like they did, whether you think of it as trespassing or not, legally they were, and also legally if they got injured, that was potentially your problem, at least in the U.S. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, it was, so... And it was other stuff, like you had I think it was Australia actually had a bunch of issues with this. You had, like, giant hordes of people in parks that were surrounded by apartment buildings on all sides that, like, suddenly had weird noises happening. Like, the park would be, like, officially closed, but you can't really close a park, as we all know. Like, it's if people get in, they're gonna get in. And you'd have just like mad rushes of people at one a.m. in the morning. A lot of money for these places. It's supposed to be fucking quiet right now. The park is closed. Yep. What the shit? Mm -hmm. So it has. So ba basically, what's what's happened is it's been settled. Yeah, it's been. Settled. But the settlement includes a bunch of new stuff, and it actually includes them having to make some concessions. So that includes some stuff like how close a Pokestop or a gym can be to a single family residence. So and some other or other rules as well. I mean, so but that I think it's I mean, as far as settlement goes, that's I mean, that's the thing. It's better sometimes better just go with the settlement and to not drag it out that much further because yeah, I mean, in this case, at least, like, Niantic is like, okay, yeah, well, maybe we should actually implement some actual rules on how this stuff happens, because this is, this affects real life. These are real life, like, you know, people affecting people who, you know, some of these people never play any video games, and a lot of people that don't play Pokemon Go, it's affecting their lives, too. So, I mean, I think the, I think the case was kind of an important one. Yeah, it's it was bound to happen. I'm a little. I, I think the ending's a little anticlimactic. Like, I, we're obviously no longer in Pokemon Go fever. Like, the people still playing are people that are still playing. But at its peak, you had like living dead esque swarms. Yeah, yeah. I, it's like now it's kind of a moot point in some ways, but. It's not the first or the last AR game. It's just the most successful one to date, and there's going to be more. And it's going to do things, kind of thing. Like, AR is going to be more impressive than it is currently yes. in the near future, kind of thing. And I think it's smart to have rules in place that say, yeah, you can't have this in your houses. Just don't do that. It's bad. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the thing. When we have augmented reality bleeding out into you know 
other people's lives, people that have nothing to do with that video game, you have to think about that. Now you actually have to think about you know how you're affecting people who have nothing to do with the game that you've created. And I think to a certain extent, it's obvious that they did to a certain extent, but didn't put down any rules to prevent some of the worst of it from happening. Yeah. So, But I think this will be probably end up being a bit of a precedent in, in the court system. Oh, yeah, no, this will definitely be something that's pointed to. Like, and it's Maybe it seems like we're coming off on the side of game developers. We're not. I think all of us agree that, like, yeah, this was a situation that just didn't exist previously that now does that needed addressing. Yes. And yeah, and it sounds like it got addressed in not a, it wasn't a heavy handed sort of games. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like let's censor and ban all IR games. It was not heavy handed at all. It wasn't it was like a billion dollar tax against Niantic either. Yeah. It seems like some here, you know, we're settling this, but have to actually make some improvements. You have to consider the effect on the public. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. And I guess last but not least on our news docket this week, it's not so much a huge story, but something that I know we all on the podcast have talked about on no need for a gaming union of some kind and kind of what that impact might be. Well, we're getting our first kind of in live time, I guess, demonstration of Maybe how actually important gaming unions might be. So I, you worked indirectly for the for Nexon, right, Henry? No, I haven't. I, no. I thought, that's I haven't I, worked I thought they me. owned Rift. Maybe they do now. They might now, okay. but they didn't yeah, at the I, time. Yeah. Right, so uh, uh, South Korean game dev. I, you, you're more familiar with this one. I am. Uh, Nexon is a giant kind of mega corporation that owns. I believe it's like what? It's like four or five of the big uh, Korean MMOs at this point. Yeah, I mean, like Maple Story is probably yeah. the biggest one. That was their bread and butter. Well, they're like I mean, Guild Vision. Wars, I think, too. Unless I'm confusing them with someone. Um, they have off. been some. Well, some companies have actually released their games through Nexon. Like they had something to do with the Final Fantasy Online as well. Sorry, but, I'm thinking yeah, NCSoft, not Nexon. My bad. Yeah, Nexon has, yeah, I mean, like, I think Maple Story was probably the biggest one, but, I mean, like, a few others, such as, like, uh, Dungeon Fighter Online, which I played for a Metal Sword, which is, uh, yeah, that's more of a typical one. Uh, Mabinogi, which was pretty wildly popular. Yeah. But, really, they're probably most, most well-known for... Uh, most well known for like the Maple Story, which I think is still really used. Yeah, still played. Oh, we talked about that. They had a they had a weird Nazi problem a year or so back. Yeah, yeah. And Vindictus, I think, is one of their newest MMORPGs. Yeah. But in any case, yeah. So they've actually so they had already unionized. So which is which is great. I mean, so what's happened is. So in the past several months, there have been, like, layoffs, restructuring. I mean, that's the thing. It's like projects have been canceled. Like, some of the things hadn't been as profitable as they thought they were. So a lot of so a lot of things have sort of gone wrong in the company. But, but the, but yeah, the, yeah, the, the problem here is it's, these closures and these suspensions are affecting job security. 
And so six, six hundred, about 600 unionized employees are demonstrating. And essentially what they're saying is the corporate malfeasance in getting like more investors or buyers is affecting everybody's livelihood. So that's the interesting part of this, that this is actually really targeting the leadership of the company. And they're, they're accusing the leadership of not doing what they need to do to, to secure the livelihood of all the many employees that have been working for them do it fully this entire time. And so four projects got shuttered this past year. And so that's quite a few people that are being affected. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, while 100 employees or so are the ones affected, you have 600 that are demonstrating. And so that's, I mean, that's the power of, you know, collectivized bargaining, of collective bargaining, is that, yeah, maybe only this smaller amount of people that maybe a large company could overlook and be like, oh, those 50 or so people, eh, just let them go, you know, go and not worry about that. But then when, like, everybody else joins with them and says, no, you can't treat those, those workers poorly, we're all standing up here, you want, you, you away with this. That's why collective bargaining is, bargaining is so vital, and that's why unions are so vital in general, but definitely also in the video game industry. Unions, we need unions here in the U.S. We need a video game developers union because there is, yeah, there's occasions where, of course, not everybody's affected by every move. Maybe it's this branch that was working on this particular game. Maybe they're letting a lot of the artists go. But when everybody stands up at once and says, <clears throat> no, like, no, you don't pay them less. No, you have to pay us actual overtime, all of us. That's that's when you make changes happening. Because otherwise, the company's going to be like, oh, you 50 developers here, you want, you want to raise? Ha ha, we're just going to ignore you because we don't care. But when a thousand people stand up and say, no, we demand a raise, they have to listen, or else their company literally doesn't work. And that's and that's 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 the big difference there. That's why unions have to be a thing if we want any parity against a larger company. Because otherwise, yeah, the larger company can just ignore you. They'll just be like, "Yeah, we don't care." Yeah, go ahead, quit. We'll replace you. But when it's a huge enough number where they're like, "Uh, this will actually cripple us." this will cripple our ability to make products that's when you can demand power that's when you can make powerful demands of the company you know for better quality of life and quality of work so, but yeah it, it gets a little i mean if you want to read l why why all right so like whenever a project ends or fails essentially they go to the they go to the individual employees with a sort of an interview. And and if the interview... So they basically have to re-interview for their job that they already had a contract for. And so if the, if the reason the game crashed wasn't their fault, but they lose their job anyways because the, because the game or the project went south, I mean... That's, yeah, that's, that's like really unfair. That's affecting their job security. It's like, it wasn't our fault that this thing crashed. 
but we're going to be the ones taking the brunt of the blame and we're the ones losing our jobs for it. So that's that's some more of these thing that's why they're they are strike about you know striking essentially. But yeah. I mean this is the thing that needs to happen more often and we need game developers unions in the US. We just do. And so far, only one candidate, one presidential candidate, has mentioned it, it at all, and that's Bernie Sanders. He's actually uh, gone and spoken about it on social media, about the need for video game developer unions, specifically. So, yeah. We actually have one breaking news thing at the end, Nintendo-related, so we're going to rewind back to our Nintendo talk for a second. Appar All right. Apparently, a patent has been filed for new Joy Cons that have weird hinges on them for making them more ergonomic. Doesn't fix my issue hmm. with the Joy Cons, but maybe it makes it better for some. <laughs> I just want buttons that weren't made for like mice. I just don't want the second, the right hand D uh, joystick where it is. Like I, again, I go back to. If you were to sell me a Wii U that worked as a Switch, like that that button layout, I'd be real happy. Or, you know, just, you know, maybe like a, I don't know, an actual controller layout that's... <laughs> well, that's the Switch good. has an actual controller, I just don't like it. Yeah, there is there is a classic controller, but yeah, if it's... Pro yeah. controller, not classic, pro. I mean, sorry, pro controller. You gotta be MLG yeah. to own that thing or have the money to cough up for it, but mostly the first one. Yep. <laughs> I am I I do have to say that the Switch Lite that's coming out, they're actually replacing the sort of buttons on the left with an actual D-pad. Yeah, but the same shit tier button layout. Yeah. Still got the same, but at least it's an actual D-pad. Yeah. I mean, that's a plus to me personally. I mean, that makes me want to buy mean, that. That's one of the things that's that like attractive to me that one pixel width joystick d-pad that comes now yeah. isn't fucking great there's such i mean i get it it's like for kids so that a kid can actually use this controller easily more easily and use the buttons but uh, yeah i don't know it, it makes me, but it does. On the upside, it makes me feel like a big giant man whenever I'm holding just a single Joy-Con. Want to do side. that though? Like I, I, which I've had, which I've done. Like what I, I played, I played on a Switch a couple of weeks ago on a friend's Switch. I mentioned that actually, and and so we played a game where it was you know a two-player game and or a multiplayer game at least, and there. So we're each holding this teeny tiny controller. So I just feel like Andre the Giant or. Or the mountain, you know, the mountain from Game of Thrones playing it, playing a normal, playing like 360. How must, how he must feel when he's playing like, you know, it, with a PlayStation controller, and it feels like a tiny baby toy to him. So, <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Still tall and large. Yeah. Fuck the Joy-Con controllers. Said normal-handed people everywhere. <laughs> normal-handed people. Large-handed yeah. people are like, I, I need a new console, bro. 
Yeah, I remember back when there was the uh, controller the that Duke. was just too big. The Duke. Yeah, which I remember that. So you kill we a man with the, the reverse. Dropped it on him. It also yeah. take like eight days <laughs> to fall over because it was so tall. But <laughs> direction. Oh, we've been there for a while. Like cell phones were the first indicator that we were going too small. Like I, this whole like we eliminated the headphone jack to make the phone thinner. I'm like, no one wants this. No one needs a phone this thin. Like, we were approaching phones that are thin enough they can fall through a subway grate. Well, but they've made them thin, but they've made them wider and longer. So they're they're way they're increasingly more awkward to carry. Yep. That's 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 my that's what I don't like. Nope. They haven't gotten small all of these size, they've just flattened it out and it's made it worse to carry. Like you can't put it in your pocket. I like remember to, when a phone? Remember when phones could actually fit in your free? To imagine they make phones by just kind of like running the previous year's version over with a steamroller, and that actually makes the new phone size. <laughs> we found a heavier steamroller. This is how thin they'll be this year. <laughs> but at least, like you know, we've like the honestly, like the the. You know, from the 360 controller to the one Xbox One controller. Though they didn't just shrink the crap out of them, they actually just made them slightly better. So, I like that trend. But Nintendo cares not for your trends. We are a trend. Yeah. That's it for news this week. I just went in because I wanted to make my Joy-Cons quickly. Especially after our ring talk this week. <laughs> Nintendo hula hoop. <laughs> I'm kind of sad there's no like cardboard Labo version of the exercise gear. but <laughs> some Barbells that's, that's... to go with it. Yeah. Some cardboard barbells. Yes. Resistance training with rubber bands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's it for news this week, obviously. Uh, we have no emails this week, but if you wanted to address, would you send it to? Oh, very simple. You just go ahead and just uh, type in wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. What's that email again, Henry? That is wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Spelled as it sounds, down in the show notes, except to raw, except to raw. That does it for this week. Anything you guys want to talk about before we get the hell out of here? Mm, no, nothing other than like uh, should hopefully be streaming. Stop DDoSing week. the WoW servers. <laughs> Stop DDoSing so I can stream some content. Asshole. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm still kind of trying to figure out a good streaming setup because yeah, I haven't decided whether I want to try to play you know mainly PC games, but right now, so it's a little more taxing to do so but yeah yeah uh or if i'll just like use my my little capture thing i have a dazzle little dazzle capped really well for all of my mm. other old consoles so i made this week uh, we'll see that is on my twitch channel at h-a-r so but yeah if i'm doing that you'll see it on my social media which is kraken zero that is z-e-r zero on facebook and instagram so yeah please send a 
please send us emails. They definitely brighten our day, and we send <laughs> likes it, and and as well as the people that send us emails. So yeah. Um, we may do that special Destiny podcast thing I'm threatened in the near future. I'm trying to maybe pull that together with my clan. I, I assume you'll be sending that one out, Henry, since you have played zero to very little Destiny. Yeah. So for those confused, this would not be in in place of our normal podcast. It's one of our side story episode things, or our um our our off topic, if you will. Yep. I think Alex had some interest in being part of that, but I don't. Yeah. yeah. And now with some hardcore Destiny nerds that's fighting about lore. Hear me yell about things like Bridge and Yore. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that does it for this week. Yes, no, maybe? Yeah. Who wants to take us out this week? Cute. Cute.